Good morning, Carbondale. Aren't you glad for people who are ministering to your children and these students up here who are leading us in worship and pastors like, like Jeff and our whole, our whole pastoral team? You've got a great staff. Amen. Can you thank God for your staff? You've got a wonderful staff with a heart for God. Now, this is my second Sunday here, and I feel like an old-time member now. You have welcomed me, and your hospitality is wonderful, and God is good, and I'm so glad that I'm in Carbondale today instead of my home down south of Dallas where it's about 150 degrees, okay? I mean, it's just brutal down there. And uh, my wife couldn't be here today, but she's watching online, so hello, honey, and, and uh, she's wishing she could be here, especially because it's so hot there. So, so uh, how many know God is good? Had a great week. I was at the General Council of the Assemblies of God in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm telling you, this church we're part of called the Assemblies of God is alive and well. God is pouring out his spirit, great worship, great preaching, 12,000 students there for the Youth Congress and the Fine Arts and, and, and all the adults. It was a great time in the Lord, but I am so blessed to be here with you today. Uh, we're, we're starting a series kind of started last week, but especially today, that I'm just calling a season of miracles because I really believe that we have a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's ready to do miracles in our lives. Anybody need a miracle today? Well, God specializes in miracles, right? And he's going to do that for you. So we're going to read the scripture. I'm titling this message, Trusting God in a Storm, and we know about storms natural storms in Oklahoma, don't we? Weather storms. I mean, this, this church was destroyed, this building that is, not the church, the building years ago. And, and just a few years ago when my wife and I were youth pastors, <laughs> uh, <laughs> your laughter hurts, okay? <laughs> 1979 it was in Wichita Falls, Texas. And anybody that re remembers that far back, there was a tornado that was just wiped out uh, so much of the city, lost our house, our cars, most of our stuff, and, and it was just stuff. <laughs> but, but we were preserved miraculously. We were in a restaurant. We were under some tables and covered up, and someone was able to dig us out, and, and only some scrapes and cuts and bruises uh, but God did something awesome. And, and that was a Tuesday before Easter. And that Easter, how many know we had a crowd of people in the altar seeking God, okay? God knows how to get us to, to, to the altar one way or another. I, I'd rather come on my own as God, as God forcing me. How about you? So, so let's, we're going to look at the scripture in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Mark 6, 45. They've got it on the screen. You can look it up. It's the, in the New International Version that we're reading. So I'm going to invite you to stand and join me in reading the Word of God out loud. Can we do that? Can you see it okay? Okay, we're going to read it out. There's something powerful in the spoken Word of God out loud. So here we go, all in unison. Use your loud voice. Here we go. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. 
he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit into this place. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. Amplify the words of this beautiful story. Lord, do a work among us, because we know you're still the God who walks on the waves, and you know how to calm the storms around us and give us peace, and we give you glory for that. And everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. Now, this story is repeated in Matthew 14, uh, verse 22, and also John 6, in verse 15 and following. In fact, all of the, you have to go to Matthew to get the end of the story, and so I'll be referring to that as well. You see the verses there. But, but here we see that there was an in, incredible storm. In fact, these disciples got in the boat. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and, and they were just to stay next to the coastline, just about a two-hour trip up to Bethsaida. And they got off course, and they find themselves in the middle of the lake uh, and in the middle of a storm, and, and it's dark, and they're, they're lost, and they're frantic, and they think they're sinking and they're going under and they think it's all over. And Jesus finally comes to them uh, right before the dawn. Probably the fourth watch would have been between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. But it says in the scripture right before dawn. So it was closer to, closer to 6. This was a gigantic uh, storm. Uh, a scary storm. In fact, Mark 6, verse 48 in the Living Bible says, they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind uh, and the waves. Uh, your life could kind of be summarized by we're either in a storm or we're about to go into a storm or we're coming out of a storm. Is that pretty good? I mean, life is full of storms, right? And it's in the storm that we really realize how much we need the Lord, how weak we are, but how strong he is. And the miracle worker wants to show up in our lives. And so there's some lessons here about trusting God in the storm in your outline. Number one is have courage because Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for you. Have courage. We don't have to give in to our fears. We can know that Jesus is praying for us. In fact, in Luke 22, in verse 32, Jesus said to Peter, I have prayed for you, Peter that you will not lose your faith. He tells Peter right before he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times, he tells him, I've already prayed for you, Peter. I know you're going to deny me, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. The point is Jesus has already prayed for all of us while we were sleeping last night. Before we ever got out of bed, Jesus had prayed for us. Is that not an encouraging thought to think that Jesus does that? He's interceding for us. Romans 8, 34 says when you're going through tough times, you know, he's interceding for us. It says who condemns us? 
not Jesus Christ who died and then was raised back to life and is now at the right side of God interceding for us. He's, that's his ministry, a ministry of praying and interceding. But Jesus prays with special knowledge. You know, when I pray for you, I may not know exactly how you feel or exactly what all you're going through. I may not know all the details, but Jesus knows when he prays for us. Because in Mark 6, 48, it says, Jesus saw the disciples in the middle of the storm. He saw them straining at the oars. Now, Jesus is up on the mountainside, and it's pitch black, okay? And they're out in the middle of this storm. So did Jesus actually physically see them? I think spiritually. It's talking here, you know, Jesus was aware. He knew. He could see that they were straining. They were struggling. They were in the storm. And Jesus was praying for them even before they knew it. Jesus knows when your mind's upset. He knows when your emotions are worried and fearful. He knows exactly what you feel. He knows every temptation you face, and he's praying for you. He's praying for you. How many believe that Jesus is praying for us? All we got to do is just join our prayers with, with, the, with the Lord Jesus' prayer. We're going to make it. How many believe we're going to make it? We're going to get through it. Hallelujah. He knows every detail of your life. Now, that should be a comfort, okay? Because he never condemns us. Any sin in our life, he offers forgiveness. He, he offers us to, to come to him. Job chapter 31 and verse 4, Job going through all the problems that he went through, the losing of his children, the losing of his business, his finance, his health, his wife rejecting him. And it says in Job 31, 4, Job says, God sees everything I do and he counts every step I take. Hallelujah. He knows the details of our life. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you more. And he wants to, he sympathizes with us because Hebrews 4:15 says, "We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin." So when we're frustrated, when when we're confused, whatever we're going through, Jesus is praying for us with a knowledge and an empathy and an understanding, knowing every detail of our life. And then it tells us here that Jesus comes to me at the moment of my desperation, in the middle of my problem, at the very moment when I'm ready to give up and throw in the towel, Jesus shows up. How many know he's never late? Now, I say many times he's seldom early, but he's never late. He's right on, I think he's late, like Mary and Martha, you know, but he's never late, but boy, he'll stretch me right, because what's he looking for? He's looking for faith. He's looking for people that'll seek him, that'll call on his name, that'll want to be with him, hallelujah. These guys were exhausted. They've been fighting this storm for nine hours. They should have been to their destination in two hours, and they've been out on this lake for nine hours in this gigantic storm you know, fishermen, but they knew this storm was bigger than them. Yeah. It had blown them off, off course. You know, they, they didn't know exactly where they were at or how they got there. You may feel that way today. You may feel like, I'm in a mess. I don't even know how I got there. Yeah. I didn't plan to get there, I, 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 but here I am in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this situation, you know, and I need the Lord. I'm, I'm way off course, but never give up hope. 
because the Lord wants, wants to reach us. We can get frustrated, okay? They were working hard, rowing, straining, doing what they could do, you know, and sometimes we do that, just trying to get back where they need to be. But we need to recognize that in the fourth watch, it says Jesus went out to them. Jesus did not stand on the shore. I like this part of the story. He didn't stand on the shoreline and just shout instructions to them. He didn't just yell at them and give them commands or condemn them from the shore. No, he went to where they were. He went to them. He intervened in their storm. Jesus comes and meets us at our point of pain or fear or depression our discouragement, the storm that we're in. Jesus comes to us. What a God is this to come to us. This is the Christmas message. Emmanuel who left heaven and came to walk with us and never abandon us. Many times we don't feel him, do we? We don't see him. We wonder if he's forgotten us. We find ourselves walking in the dark, walking by faith. We feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, but he's there all the time. He's working behind the scenes. He's working the night shift. He's doing things we can't see, but we know that he's going to be there. Hallelujah. John 14, 18 in the Living Bible says, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. Is that not a beautiful verse in the Living Bible? I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. Why didn't he come sooner? Because Jesus is more interested in building our character than just bringing us comfort. Usually we're praying for comfort. Jesus is wanting to build faith in us. He's wanting to build our character. He's wanting to get rid of all the self-reliance and all the flesh in me that wants to hold on to stuff. He wants us to become totally, completely dependent upon him. And how does he come? Watch this. He comes walking on the very problem that scares you. The disciples were afraid of the waves, so he comes walking on the waves. Jesus is making a point here. He's telling his disciples and he's telling us, I want you to know that whatever is over your head is under my feet. Whatever's over your head is under my feet. Say it out loud with me. Let's personalize it like this. Let's say, whatever's over my head is under his feet. Say it again. Whatever's over my head is under his feet. Oh, we need to praise God for that. Isn't that good? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then Jesus shows us his true identity. Now, you notice that the disciples didn't recognize him at first. They, they said, this is a ghost. They were so full of fear. If they'd really known who it was, the fear wouldn't have been there. But they didn't know it was Jesus. How close can Jesus be and us not recognize him? When there's fear and worry and stress and frustration in our life, it's because we're not recognizing Jesus. We're not seeing that he's right there to help us. We sing these songs at the mention of his name, to call on his name. That's how close he is. He's right there. He wants to come to us. By walking on the water, Jesus is showing us he's more than a man. He's God. And when he gets to them, he realizes that they don't know who he is. So what's the first thing that he says? Don't fear. It is I. It is I. Now, 
you might wonder, well, it is I with a storm going on. Did they recognize his voice or how did they know it was Jesus? The translators here translated it, it is I, because it didn't make sense to them when they translated this to translate it from the original Greek. There's two words here, and literally what Jesus said was, I am. Now, that makes sense to us, doesn't it? Because we remember the story of Moses when Moses went back to God and said, God, when I go to Egypt, what am am I going to tell them is your name? And And God said, Moses, you go to him and say, that the name of your God is I am. What does that mean? It means God is the all-sufficient one. I am that I am. Not I was, not I will be, not I hope to be. No, I am. I am that I am. I am the great God. I'm greater than this storm, greater than your situation. I'm able to come into your life and take care of you. I'm the all-sufficient one. You don't have to turn to anybody else. You, don't, you can trust me in everything because God is the all-sufficient one. He's the only source that I need. Can you say amen? amen. The more you say amen, the faster I preach. <laughs> it's not lunchtime yet, so don't get hungry yet. Okay. So the great I am comes. Take courage. Don't be afraid. So see, it's a good study to go to the book of John in the New Testament and realize 17 times Jesus declared himself as I am. Only he added to it. He said, I am the bread of life. I'll satisfy your deepest hunger. I am the door. I'm the one that knows how to give you every opportunity you need. I am the vine. I know how to make you fruitful and successful. I am the good shepherd. I know how to care for you and walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. I am the way. You don't have to be confused. You can follow me. I am the truth. I will set you free from any entanglement of the enemy. I am the life. You're only existing without me. I will give you abundant life. I am the resurrection. You don't have to fear death. I am. See, you don't need a plan today. You need a person. You you don't need a system. You need a Savior. You don't need a goal. You need the great I am. Hallelujah. You need to call on his name. He's not some distant, apathetic, uninvolved God. He's the great I am. He is with you. Take courage. Tell your fears to go talk to Jesus because when they do, they, then they'll, they'll be dead. They won't be around to, to bog you down. You realize that you can trust the Lord. Now, that leads us to, to lesson number two, and that is to take a risk in faith. Take a risk in faith. Now we get pick up the story in Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. Can you imagine the rush of Peter walking on the water? But notice what Peter did, and this was smart of Peter. He said, Lord, if that's really you, he asked Jesus for his ID. You realize they had thought he was a ghost. At first, he thought this was Jesus. He wanted to be 100% sure. How many know before you start stepping out of the boat, you better be sure you're following Jesus? You better be sure it's his word and not your idea or someone else's idea or the government's idea or some, some, something else. You, you need to put, lay all your plans and ideas down and say, Lord, I want your plan. I want your word. I want to follow you. I, I trust you. Lord, is that you? 
And then when he realized it was, it stepped out of the boat. It says, Lord, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to stay with you. So don't focus on the storm. You see, focus on Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, you got to be kidding. No, he says, come on. Come on, Peter. He likes it when we, when we trust him with simple faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're going to walk on water, then you've got to get out of the boat, right? You've got to take a step. And you've got to stay, number three, you've got to stay focused on Jesus. So number one is have courage because Jesus is praying for you. He knows every detail of your life. He's coming to you. He's revealing himself to you. And therefore, number two, you can take a risk in faith and step out. Number three, you've got to stay focused on Jesus. Now, this part of the story is the part that we like the most and we talk about, but it's good to just refresh our minds again on this moment that you get your eyes off of Jesus is when you're in trouble. Matthew 14, 30, but when Peter looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Now, good news for Peter, he failed at that moment, but he was quick to pray. The thing to do when you make a mistake is be quick to go back to Jesus, quick to pray. And Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and said, come on, Peter, lifted him back up, and he walked back with Jesus to the boat. Okay, so the end of the story was good, right? The end of the story. So, so, so we, can, we can get our eyes on the circumstances. We, we, can, we can look at the stuff around us. We can be distracted. You know, the, the, the distraction, the enemy loves to throw every kind of distraction at us he can to try to get us to get our eyes off of Jesus. Circumstances, circumstances. Get your eyes off the circumstances. People, people say, uh, you know, how are you doing? And people many times say, well, I'm good under the circumstances. Or what are you doing under the circumstances? Okay, circumstances are like a mattress. You know, if you're underneath them, you're going to suffocate. But get on top and you'll rest well. You know, we need to be on top of the circumstances, right? Because Jesus wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be on top. And so, so what changed in this story about Peter looking around? It was the same waves, right? Same storm, same darkness, same boat, same Jesus, same Peter. So what was the difference? The difference was what Peter was looking at. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. You say, why did he get distracted? I don't know. You know, the storm was howling and was crazy. Maybe there was a little pride at that moment, you know. But just maybe that the, his friends back in the boat, okay, I call them the boat people, the boat people over here, when they, see, when they see Peter stepping out, they're probably reaching for him and hollering at him and criticizing him and saying, saying Peter, what in the world are you doing? You're, you're going to drown. This is a storm. Why are you getting out of the boat? And you see, if we're not careful, when we take a step toward Jesus, there's always somebody in the boat. The boat people are always there to criticize us, to tell us what we're doing is crazy, to tell us not to do it. But see, those boat people, they, they thought that guy out there on the, on the water was a ghost. They hadn't had a revelation yet. Peter had had a revelation. Peter's moving in his revelation. He's moving in his faith. He's walking out toward Jesus, and he's reaching out to the Lord. And so we get to the last point, and the last point is simply this, and that is don't doubt because Jesus is greater. Don't doubt Jesus is greater. 
Peter prayed, save me, Lord. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? The Lord is simply looking for faith. Now notice he didn't, he didn't say no faith. He said little faith. You just need little faith in a great big God, okay? That's all you need, okay? It's not like you've got to be to Bible college and have the Bible memorized and, and be walking in faith for 100 years in order to please God. Jesus said a little faith in me. I'll take care of you. I'll do this. So Jesus is greater. He is awesome. He is mighty. And we need to continue to trust him. When Jesus climbed into the boat, Matthew 14, 32 says, when Jesus climbed back in the boat with Peter and to the other people, John and Mark tell us the story, the storm stopped instantly, instantly. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you're the son of God. Now, I was hard on the boat people while ago, but this is their moment of revelation. Now they realize this is Jesus. And they see the storm calm and peace comes and rest comes. And they said, surely you're the son of God. What a moment these folks had with the Lord. And God wants to come into your storm. And he wants to assure you any storm in your future. He's already seen it. He's already prayed about it. He's going to be with you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus, amen? Jesus is going to give you victory. He's going to teach you lessons of faith. Hallelujah. This is the only unsinkable boat there is, the boat that Jesus is in, okay? And I'm not asking Jesus to get in my boat. I want to get in Jesus' boat. What about you? I want to be sure I'm going the direction he wants me to go because there's nothing about that boat without Jesus. You see, where is the safest place, out of the boat with Jesus or in the boat without Jesus? Sometimes we're in the boat without Jesus and we think we're safe because we're putting more trust in the boat than we are Jesus. But we need to put our trust in Jesus, put our focus on Jesus, recognize he can do anything, recognize he's all that you need, recognize that faith is the answer. It's the answer to your fears. It's the answer to your fears. Amen? God is good. God is good. I, I had an experience with the Lord uh, just a couple of months ago before I even had an imagination that I was coming here, but I believe it's for this, for this service. And, and I have my Bible reading, my prayer time, and there's days, you know, that I, I'm, not, I'm not having a great experience with God every day. How many know you just, you just need to keep doing that? You know, but, but sooner or later, God, God walks in in a special way. And this particular morning, God brought this song that we're about to sing about you deserve the glory and the honor and, and there's no one else like you. And, and that was just rolling in my soul and I found that song and I was playing it and worshiping the Lord. And, and there's so many verses that talk about God. God is the only one. There's no one like him. Second uh, Samuel is one of the really good ones. It says, therefore, you are great, O Lord, 2 Samuel 7, 22. You are great, O God, for there is none like you. There is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. There's no one like you. And what the Lord wants us to realize when we're in our storm, we've got to have Jesus, and there's no one else like him. He's the miracle worker. He's the one that wants to walk into your life, and he wants to 
do something new in you, in your family, in this church. We can put our trust in you. Lord, we can put our trust in you. So we're going to sing this song. And I'm just believing that God is going to do miracles today and in the coming Sundays as I preach on some miracle stories like this. So as we sing this song, maybe you need a miracle. It could be financial, relational. It could be for your physical health. It could be for your marriage. It could be for your kids. You may want to stand in for someone else that you're burdened about that's going through a tough time. Whatever, whatever it is, as we sing this, as just, as just a step of your faith, I want you to first stand up and just begin to worship God. And then I want you to do like Peter. And I want you to step out from where you're at. Let that symbolize, let your chair symbolize the boat. And I want you to step out of your boat and start taking some steps of faith toward this altar. And let's fill this altar and lift our hands and say, God, you're great. There's no one like you. I believe you are going to take care. So come on as we, as we, as we sing this together. As we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands and worship. As we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands. 
say, I need a miracle today. I need a miracle. Hold your hands up in faith. Lord, we're trusting you. You're the miracle worker. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, as you were with these disciples in the storm and you provided a miracle for them, Lord, you can provide miracles for us today. And Lord, we have fears and we have doubts and we have frustrations and we have worry, we have stress. Well, Lord, you can take all that away today and fill us with your peace and your grace and your love and your comfort. Lord, we need your presence more than we need anything else. We're coming to you, Lord. We're stepping out of the boat. We're coming to you. We're coming to you. We're surrendering to you. We're magnifying you. We're worshiping you. You are the great I am. You are the great I am. Hallelujah. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever think or ask according to the power of God that works in us. We welcome the power of God in this place. Let the manifest glory of the Lord come down upon us now. And Lord, we recognize you are the Son of God. You are the awesome God. You are the one we magnify. We put our focus on you, Lord. Lord, forgive us for getting distracted. We turn our eyes on Jesus. We put our focus on you, Lord. We're going to walk with you and trust you. We give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. Give him a good praise. Give him a good praise for what he's done this morning. We give you praise, Lord, for what you're doing. Praise for what you're doing. Hallelujah. to anyone who is here that has not accepted the Lord as your Savior or you've been away from God you've been cold you've been indifferent you've been backslidden whatever term you want to use but you know today that you need to make a new fresh dedication a rededication to the Lord in either case if that's you and you want prayer I won't embarrass you but I'd like to see who you are so just just lift your hand up as high as you can look up at me 
and, and so that I can see you. Yes, I see in the, in the back. Who else? Who else? Yes, over here. Anyone else? Anyone else? Now pray this simple prayer, if you would, from your heart. Mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess every sin to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. It's my decision to follow you. I accept your free gift of salvation, and I want to serve you and love you with all my heart. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Church, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Let's rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, find one of the pastors. Find us. Go to the information counter. Come up front. Let us know what God did for you. And we will pray with you and encourage you. Have a great day in the Lord, a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. Come expect your miracles. Amen. Don't forget to sign up for the men's conference. Men, be sure and be here. I'll be here Friday night at the men's conference.